Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome into the nightcap here on WGR. Happy Wednesday. A little cloudy tonight. <laughs> Very average night on a Wednesday. Late July. Bills had their fourth practice of training camp today no practice tomorrow they're back on the field i want to say friday and i believe pads go on this weekend either saturday or sunday we're not going to talk a ton of bills today though there wasn't a ton of news out of training camp you know obviously there's no injuries no knock on wood the offense kind of had like their big day today josh allen looked apparently you know phenomenal if not maybe his best training camp practice ever when it comes to red zone drills he was you know throwing touchdowns all over the field Kyer Elam and Stephon Diggs got into it a little bit. But none of these like storylines really grabbed me where I want to talk about it a lot. Namely, because the first thing we're going to talk about tonight, anonymous coordinators and talking about quarterbacks that beat them. I need this to stop. I need, I need it to stop. If you're going to make these outlandish claims, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, the past two or three days, there have been a lot of quotes attributed to anonymous defensive coordinators, anonymous GMs, anonymous coach, whatever it is, talking about quarterbacks in the NFL. And two of them that have really caught a lot of people's eyes have been on Lamar Jackson, which I I somewhat mentioned on Monday, and Patrick Mahomes. I saw this today. And the problem is, both of these quotes have just been unbelievable in the sense of this person really can't be working in the NFL at some of the highest levels. I just, I don't understand it. The Lamar Jackson one, for those who don't know or weren't uh, here on Monday, basically an anonymous defensive coordinator said that, you know, Lamar Jackson could go out there and win 11 MVPs and he still wouldn't consider him a number one overall quarterback. He would just be a number one overall player. Like he would still not consider him an A player or an A quarterback. And that just boggled my mind because I literally don't understand that kind of thinking. The the need to be so right all the time that when you're proven wrong, you just kind of twist it and say, well, I'll just, I'll just never accept that. I don't understand that level of thinking. I just don't. And then today, Patrick Mahomes, I see this quote from him, and I'll read this quote just because it absolutely boggles my mind. So here's the quote from an anonymous defensive coordinator about Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. We love Mahomes because of his unorthodox throws, not because of his natural pocket presence. And when that disappears, this is when they lose games. I don't think this is a one. I think this is a two. Nothing against the guy. I love the kid. But take away his first read, and and what does he do? He runs and scrambles and plays street ball. Okay, the game of football is not in the 1970s anymore. 
scrambling is a good thing. You extend the play. You put the defense on their toes. It's not a bad thing that because the offensive line breaks down or because his first read's not there that he has to extend the play. You're allowing your offensive playmakers to do more than just a set route tree. You're allowing your quarterback to do more. You don't have to be a statue. This is not the days of Joe Namath with two bum knees or Johnny Unitas who couldn't move. I, I, I don't understand this thinking at all. And, and what blows my mind is this is not a new trend in terms of quarterback scrambling. For decades, the all-time leader in passing was Fran Tarkington of the Vikings, Giants, and then Vikings again. And he was a known scrambler. Defenses hated playing against him because they could never bring him down. He was always moving around. Roger Staubach of the Cowboys moved around. This is not a new phenomenon. John Elway moved around. What is this whole, like, I have to listen to, I would imagine, some 75, 80-year-old defensive coordinator who never learned anything past the years he played football talk about these guys and act like, I I love the kid, you know, I love him, but, you know, he's not the guy for me. Who is? Brady? Brady's of a bygone era. He's just able to play forever because he's passed. I always go to this Ray Lewis quote talking about the longevity of players and how, you know, by the time your mind catches up to what your body can do on the field, your body can no longer do what it could on the field. And you're just that step slower, but your mind knows exactly where you need to be at all times. Brady has gotten to the point with all of his years in the NFL that he knows where everyone should be and is at all times. Because he has seen almost every single offensive look there could be. That has allowed Brady to, even though he can't move, to be able to still be absurdly successful. Peyton Manning, with zero athletic ability, had to be a film junkie to the point where some of his players on the Colts truly wondered if the man had a social life because he watched film so much. Now, I'm not saying the the more athletic quarterbacks of today's NFL aren't, you know, film junkies or they aren't, you know, becoming cerebral with the game. Many of them clearly are. Mahomes openly talked about after his first year, he finally learned, you know, what some of these coverages were that he was seeing in the NFL. Josh Allen has openly talked about learning more and really diving into film. And he's gotten very analytical and almost like, you know, surgical with how he handles his throwing mechanics. But these old defensive coordinators, and that's what it is. It's not these young guys coming up. It's not. Truthfully, I read these, and it feels like a Jack Del Rio quote, who he just wants to make headlines, but, and I'm not going to say he's a coward. That's ridiculous. I went to journalism school. I understand anonymous sources. But when I hear this, it's just like, dude, just come out and say it. Don't don't hide behind, you know, an article that, you know, this quote you think is just going to get thrown behind, and then it'll be fine. And then it ultimately becomes the main piece of the article. If you really feel that way, say it. Say it. Just just say it. Because you know what? At this point now, everyone is just seeing it and judging you anyways. They just can't put a name to the defensive coordinator, to the coach, to the GM, whatever it is. So just go out and say it. If that's truly how you feel, if you're so worried... That, well, if I say it, my team's going to be upset with me. You know, that quarterback that I just trashed for, you know, an entire article is going to be mad. Well, clearly you're a little threatened by him. 
clearly you're a little threatened by the play of a quarterback like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. I just don't understand this whole idea that because a quarterback can move around or because when a play breaks down, they make big plays. One of the best parts of Josh Allen's game here in Buffalo, we see this all the time, is when a play breaks down and he scrambles to his right side. How often do we see him fire a ball down 20, 25 yards downfield and they come up with a great play? And it's not necessarily like you know the wide receiver has to make a great play, but they were just able to work their way open. Am I supposed to now believe that whenever that happens, the defensive coordinator of the opposing team is going, we got him right where we want him. We got him, boys. We got him right where we want him. He's scrambling. He has no idea what's going on. Because, Coach, we just gave up you know 35 yards, maybe a touchdown. I, I don't think we got him right where we want him. I, what is this mindset? It's such. It's not an archaic mindset. It's very much a stagnative mindset of, nope, we're perfect. Just because he scrambled, we're winning. We're doing fine. And this quote of, you know, like this is when he loses games is when like he doesn't have his first read. What are you talking about? For years, the Chiefs have basically been able to convince themselves that outside of Tyree Hill, they have great receivers in McCole Hardman, Thompson, Sammy Watkins. Because when Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are covered, they're wide open and, and Mahomes just hits them. This is not like a new phenomenon. The Chiefs are now trying to find a number two wide receiver now that Watkins is left. But for you know two, three years there, it looked like they had a plethora of fast you know guys who were you know great NFL players because whenever Hill or Kelsey was covered, Mahomes would just turn to his left or to his right and fire it to a guy that had one guy on him and who clearly was not fast enough to keep up. And Lamar, I, Lamar quote still boggles my mind to the point where like I'm genuinely frustrated and I wake up in a cold sweat thinking about like I potentially know this person that thinks this way. That It stresses me out of the idea that maybe I know somebody that thinks the same way of, yeah, no, Lamar could win 11 MVPs. He's still not a number one quarterback to me. I, can, I could not have a conversation with somebody like that. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. Because I, like, what are you telling me then? Because ultimately now I'm reading this and I'm thinking, well, then they can't, they, they cannot think Josh Allen's a good quarterback. Who do they think is a good quarterback? Uh, effectively, you're telling me you think to a lesser extent Joe Burrow is? But Burrow has wheels. Burrow can move. Most of like last season he was trying to recover from a torn ACL, but Burrow always had, always had the ability to move. But so is, is that what I'm supposed to hear from this defensive, this anonymous defensive coordinator? That... Well, if these guys are able to move, if they, if they even try to scramble at any point, we got them. This is where they're going to lose games. This is where they're going to lose. We got them. They're scrambling. What are we talking about? That makes no sense. And if I'm your boss, if I'm the owner, if I'm the head coach, I'm really concerned. Your plan should be to keep me in the pocket. To make it where, yeah, those extended plays do not happen. Get him down. Get him down. I, I don't understand this, this need to, and I don't think these are, these are like the same stuff that you know, I talked about last week or the week prior about how I get very frustrated with, you know, sports television and, and this constant need to, without doing any real research to just kind of spew a, a take just, just to get clicks. But ultimately it's like, well, I only really have sports center or the NFL network to like get these shows. So like, I'm going to watch these. I'm going to comment on it. It's not like there's like this huge competition that, you know, all of a sudden, now we're fine. Like, I'll go somewhere else. This is ridiculous. I, there's not a ton of places I can go. I can go to podcasts. I do. I listen to a ton of podcasts. I work in sports radio. I, you know, so I listen to this station all the time just because it is my job and I like listening to it. 
But I don't think these quotes are that of just why I, it needs to be a zinger headline. These guys aren't getting paid to do that. These guys are being paid to formulate a way to stop these elite quarterbacks. But if you ask these defensive coordinators, well, they're not actually that elite. They scramble. They leave the pocket. They're clearly not that elite. It's insane to me. This whole pocket presence thing, there is a pocket presence. You know what plays into it? When to leave the pocket. That is part of pocket presence. The position of quarterback has evolved aggressively. And it has clearly gotten under the skin of a lot of older head coaches or coaches that have been in the NFL in football for a long time. Because for a long time, this kind of athlete at quarterback was really only successful in college. You know, that's really only the time you saw guys scrambling around and making these big plays. It just didn't translate to the NFL. And a lot of that was, I think, because NFL offenses did not want to evolve into the college game. They always wanted to come off as this air of superiority of, well, we're the NFL, so we don't have to run RPOs and, and these no huddles and, and all this stuff. We don't need to do that. That's not what we do. We, we get under center. We huddle up. Why? And now you're seeing... You know, the young offensive revolution, right? I mean, you know, the Sean McVay's, the Kyle Shanahan's, now the Mike McDaniels. Adam Gase, I guess, was a part of it, but he was a real tire fire of that. These guys come in and very much say, no, we will somewhat be a bit of a college offense. Why? Well, it's easier now for our college quarterback to come into the NFL and succeed right away. You know, we don't have to take a year or two and say, well, you got to sit. You're not, you're not ready to run an NFL offense, not a pro-style offense. But I listen to these quotes and I realize the NFL as a whole is not progressing forward. is not moving with where the game is going. And it's why I think a lot of offenses still are dominating defenses. The era of defenses truly being able to lead you to a Super Bowl is over. I think for the most part, it's over. You'll have one here and there. But the era of the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, the Orange Crush defense, the no-name defense of the Miami Dolphins and Dallas Cowboys, the Steel Curtain of the Steelers, those days are done. The 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks, those days are done. You need to be able to score points. And I think a lot of that, when I, when I read these quotes, this is what I take away from it, I feel a lot of that, and the reason why defenses have fallen behind offenses to a, a lesser, or to an extent, there are still, I think, great defensive coordinators out there, clearly. And, you know, we'll talk about somebody in a moment. Is because there almost seems to be these defenses fighting against where the NFL is going. That they still want to live in the mind of they see a quarterback scramble and they think that's a win for the defense. Yet most of us that watch football know, mm, depending on the quarterback, that's a huge loss. That you didn't bring them down. That they aren't just going to throw the ball away. Or run for two yards and just kind of slide down. These guys can make 30 yards downfield scrambling to their dominant side. And this is where I, I read quotes like this, and I actually have more of a respect for the, the job Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have done with the Bills defense. Because as much as we may say, you know, their sack numbers have not been great, but overall their defense has been really good. It's because they're secondary and their pass defense has been elite from the moment McDermott and Frazier have been here. And I think it's because both have been willing and, and definitely have adapted to the NFL game of realizing, yes, you can get a quarterback to scramble and sometimes they'll run out of bounds, they'll throw it away, whatever it is. 
but it's because you have to adapt to what the modern game is. The constantly moving, realizing that route trees really only are a thing at the start of the route. After that, it can become very much a scramble in the sense of if they've got good enough chemistry, quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver may just cut up when he realizes a safety is not in the backfield. And he can just cut up and have wide open space. And if a quarterback and a wide receiver have good enough chemistry, I look back to you know, Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. This They just kind of knew each other were thinking the same thing, and they just fire a ball deep. No safety is up top, and it's an easy walking touchdown because there was an adjustment. But some of these coaches that I hear this from feel like they would be furious at that. That no, no, your route was to you know it was a crossing pattern, and 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 you cut it upfield. Why? That's not and it's just it boggles my mind. Yes, it's probably because I'm younger, and and in the age of football that I've watched, pretty much from the word go, scrambling quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks have been the way to go. They have been the most successful ones in terms of coming from college to the NFL. But I have also watched. The statuesque quarterbacks, the Mannings, the Breezes, and the Bradys. But that era is going away. Brady will have to eventually retire before he's 65. I like to think at least then. I think by the time he's likely going to be a grandpa, I would imagine he'd want to be done with the game of football. But that's just me. And you can see this young crop of quarterbacks coming up that you need to be able to make plays all over the field with every ability of your of your body. You need to. You can't just do it with your right arm. Your legs have to be able to do something. Your mind has to be moving at a million miles an hour while also moving. But I see these quotes about Lamar Jackson, about Patrick Mahomes. I will not be surprised if in the next two days I see one about Josh Allen. It just it it makes no sense to me. Because they continue to beat you. And yet you come off like, well, they're barely beating us. Lamar Jackson holds the record for most wins for a quarterback before the age of 25. Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdown passes in his second NFL season, his first season as a starter. He already has an MVP and a Super Bowl. Josh Allen holds most of the records for total touchdowns through the first four years of an NFL career. And Herbert broke most rookie passing records and is well on his way to being the best Chargers quarterback of all time. Am I, am I here now that they're all bad? They're all actually not as good as I, as I perceive. As every statistic shows, they're actually not that good. Or am I to now lay it around here from another anonymous coach that, well, if I had my pick of defensive guys, like this would be no problem. We'd, we'd be able to lock them up, no problem. The only time I've seen Patrick Mahomes truly be a bad quarterback is that second half of that AFC Championship game against the Chiefs and when he had a broken foot in the Super Bowl with no offensive linemen. That, those are the two times I've genuinely sat there and went, ooh, Mahomes looks bad. He's had bad throws. He's had bad halves, quarters. Never bad games, other than those two, really, to me, like just off the top of my head. And the reason I really want to bring this up, because there's a positive here. And that's coming from Vikings GM, Quasi Adolfo Mensa. He's their new GM, just hired this offseason. And I think a lot of people have seen this quote he had talking about his current quarterback, Kirk Cousins. And he was unbelievably honest. To a point that I've never really heard a GM or head coach be this honest. And I and I desperately want this. I always root for more honesty because, as some of you may have heard when I was on the morning show with Howard and Jeremy, and even um, 
a few weeks ago when I was with Bulldog on the show Bulldog Show, I love the honesty of European sports and how they're very there is very little truthfully lying. No one really tries to mince their words. And I say this especially in Formula One. If you don't watch Formula One, it's auto uh, auto racing sport, a lot of on the weekends. And I've just I've been absolutely absorbed by it. I love that sport. I've never had a sport grab me like this that F1 has. A lot of it is to do with the Netflix series. But a big part of it and why it has really grabbed my attention consistently is that every quote I see from a team principal, which essentially is the team manager slash coach, or the drivers, is complete honesty. To an extent where if they said anything like this in American sports, it would be the biggest headline you saw for a week and a half, two weeks. It would cover you know, three or four television shows and the entire two or three days of a, a radio run. And yet it's just, it's an average quote for them. Somebody gets pole. You know, they, they miraculously are, are going to start first in the race. What do you guys think? You're gonna, you guys think you got a shot to win today? Nope. They were going to probably finish third or fourth. If someone had said that in an NFL game, Hey, you guys are coming with a better record. You guys think you're going to win? Nope. They are clearly better than us. Their record is not indicative of how good they are. Could you imagine how that would go over? Could you imagine how that would go over? And yet, Adolfo Menza talking about his quarterback, Kirk Cousins, in almost the polar opposite of what I see with these quotes from these anonymous defensive coordinators, GMs, and coaches. He says, I, you know, I'm prefacing this. I don't have the quote right in front of me, but essentially what he said is he was really struggling with the idea of not tearing it all down at the quarterback position, realizing that Kirk Cousins is not Tom Brady, is not Patrick Mahomes, and that winning a Super Bowl with those guys is already hard enough. And with the guy he has in Kirk Cousins, it may be impossible. That is such an eye-opening quote because everyone thinks that, right? Everybody thinks that. Yeah, you need to have, like, there's like five or six guys in the NFL for like a decade that you genuinely think, oh, they can probably win a Super Bowl. Or they probably should win a Super Bowl. And then there's like a group from like that to like 20 that you're like, you're probably good enough to win like a playoff game or two with them. They may give you great years that has people thinking, oh, maybe they're actually better than we thought. But likely you won't. Now... There are, of course, exceptions to that rule. Joe Flacco is the one that really comes to mind for me, at least in my era of watching football. I was, you know, I was alive for Trent Dilfer and the Ravens, but you know, I was two years old. Joe Flacco's the one for me. But what did we, you know, what did we talk about for an entire offseason after he won that Super Bowl? Was Joe Flacco actually elite? Is he actually that guy? Turned out he wasn't. But we had to have that conversation because he won a Super Bowl. But what did it take for Joe Flacco to win said Super Bowl? Already a very good defense. It was the last year of Ray Lewis, but that defense was still very, very good. Because the Ravens, with you know all their drafting, has always been very good. Joe Flacco had to throw 11 touchdowns and zero picks in a playoff run. The greatest playoff run I've ever seen in my life. For four games, it, I've never seen any better. And he had to have plays go his way. The Jacoby Jones deep bomb against Denver. Just terrible coverage. Joe Flacco had to have everything go right, and they won a Super Bowl. And there was still a play at the end of that game in the Super Bowl that Colin Kaepernick could have won it for the 49ers. That's why teams like San Francisco are moving off Jimmy Garoppolo. And openly moving off Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way. They have been unbelievably transparent. GM, 
head coach, everybody in San Francisco has been horribly transparent in saying, yeah, no, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably either going to get traded or cut on this team. It's Trey's team. It's Trey Lance's team. I don't remember ever a time where I've now, you know, through two days, I have been both stunned in a negative way by anonymous sources saying stuff. And then the guys that actually are openly going to say it are the GMs and coaches of these teams. I respect that in every way. Because again, and, and I said this at the, beginning of the segment, uh, at the beginning of the segment, I studied journalism in school. I understand the need of anonymous sources. I do. So I, I will never trash somebody for being anonymous. But I will always praise somebody who could have been and decided not to. Adolfo Menza for the Vikings openly said he's worried about his quarterback position. He thinks he maybe should have torn it down, but he didn't. And now he's got to live with that decision. But he knows that Kirk Cousins is not the guy, typically, that will win a Super Bowl. He is not a Brady and he's not a Mahomes. And no one's going to sit here and say that that's incorrect or that's you know that's mean to his quarterback. It's being honest. It is what it is. And John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan over in San Francisco openly saying, even when they're trying to trade Garoppolo, that, yeah, Garoppolo's done here. You know, we thank him for his service. He did awesome for us, but we're moving on. This is Trey Lance's team. And them trading Trey Lance proved that. I mean, they, they drafted him third overall. But it's the fact that they said it. But then I have to hear these anonymous coaches offering really no statistics and no basis off of it. Talk about how Lamar Jackson could win 11 MVPs and he'd still not even be considered a number one overall quarterback in this guy's mind. Or, you know, Mahomes, well, once you take away his first read, he's actually not that good. That's where he loses games. So you guys almost never take away his first read? The guy wins a lot of games. Like, a lot of games. It's just... That that part to me feels disingenuous. That these people are lying, but then won't complete the lie. Instead of putting bulletin board material up there and putting a face to that bulletin board material, they're just kind of saying it, realizing that it probably will get out there. And yeah, that's the thing. If you're Patrick Mahomes, if you're Lamar Jackson, I would be ticked off. Still just making stuff up about me. But they can't put a face to the quote. They can't put a name to the quote. And it's ridiculous. But that's where I do respect guys like Adolfo Menza for the Vikings and Lynch and Shanahan for the 49ers to be open about it and to really face those consequences that may be coming rather than just hiding behind being anonymous with zero basis for what you're saying. We're going to take a quick time out here on the nightcap. When we come back, Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf, two highly talented wide receivers, they are holding in camp. They're there. They are not practicing What does this mean for both their contracts coming up and potentially their future on their current teams? We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you on a beautiful Wednesday night. I'm trying to think of like what snacks I should get. I'm going over a friend's house. We're going to watch some movies, some TV. And I said, I'm like, I'm going to grab the snacks. And I don't know what to get. Like I said that completely off the basis that I thought I'd know by 730 at night. And I don't. I have literally no idea. Like I'm thinking maybe popcorn. Popcorn probably could be good, right? Popcorn's always a pretty good one to go with. But then it's always like the one, like, you're like, oh, but there's a potential. You don't like popcorn. So like, I'm texting them. I'm like, all right, hey, do you like popcorn? She tells me, yeah, absolutely. She loves popcorn. I'm like, fantastic. Bringing up nachos and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, boy, I really should have put way more thought into this than, like, the last, like, two hours. Like, I really should have put some thought into that. Putting some thought into things. I did that, too, with DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel. They are both holding in, along with Derwin James, safety for the Chargers. But I want to I want to focus more on the wide receivers tonight. DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel are both holding in, which means it's essentially the new holdout. They're at camp. They reported. They will not be practicing. Okay. You're there, being a good teammate, but you're clearly making your message known, I want a new contract. I want my deal done now. I have no problem with that. Especially in athletic contracts, things change drastically. Quarterback, wide receiver, mainly all the skill players, things change drastically to where your contract can become obsolete very quickly. Very quickly. So I've, n- I've never had a problem with a guy holding out or wanting more better terms even before their contract is done because things change. Situations and circumstances change. Truthfully, DK Metcalf, before Russell Wilson left, probably was okay to take, like, you know, maybe not be the highest paid receiver in football. And was maybe more than willing to wait on getting his deal done until, like, you know, definitely going to get done. But now he's got Drew Locke and Geno Smith potentially throwing in the football. DK knows that well, if we keep these negotiations going on, and you, you'd kid yourself if you think that any NFL team, any sports team's front office won't use your current numbers against you, even if they know circumstances change, it's not really your fault. You'd You'd be kidding yourself. This is a business, and they want to save money anywhere they can. So if DK Metcalf goes out here now, and you know he's like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna come into practice. I'm gonna be right there with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. We're gonna be great. And he puts up like 800 yards, 
and like six touchdowns, and he's clearly not the same guy without a really great quarterback, that is going to significantly affect how much he's being paid by anybody. Not just Seattle, by anybody. And then you look at Debo Samuel, and it's a bit different. Samuel has a bit of an issue with the 49ers by how he's being used. He does not want to be a running back, wide receiver hybrid anymore. And I understand that one completely, too. To be fair, when you know there was talks that maybe Samuel was going to get traded, I was all in on the Bills either getting him or Metcalf before, obviously, the draft and all that stuff, just because I thought the weapons that they could be with the quarterback we have would have been amazing. But to be fair, I don't really want Debo Samuel to come to this team and be a hybrid either. Why? The usage and the wear and tear on a player like that is not worth the benefit. It's not. I'm going to get a guy who's elite for like three years before his body just takes such a dip. But they're both up for contracts, and they're both elite wide receivers. So I pulled up you know, the top, pretty much every wide receiver contract in the NFL, and I kind of want to look at the top 10 and see where would I put these guys. Where do I think it is appropriate to put them? We're going to go up from Chris Godwin all the way up to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, of course, got his deal this past offseason with the Dolphins. Devontae Adams got his deal. Cooper Cup got one. A.J. Brown got one. Terry McLaurin got one. There's a, there's a few new guys in there. But where would I put D.K. Metcalf and Debo Samuel? Well, for one, the top five goes Hill, Adams, Hopkins, Cup, and Brown. Right off the bat, I do think D.K. Metcalf is better than A.J. Brown. I think D.K. Metcalf is just a better version of A.J. Brown. Both massive guys that are an absolute terror to try to tackle. It's definitely something where you have to make a business decision before you try to tackle them in the open field. But I think Metcalf is just a better version of that. But now we're at a point we have to look at their quarterbacks. You know, DK Metcalf has had Russell Wilson, maybe the best deep ball receiver, definitely of my lifetime, if not all time, throwing him the ball. DK Metcalf is a deep ball receiver. So maybe that plays into it. I don't think so. I think DK Metcalf is an elite receiver. I'd put him above AJ Brown. Where do I put Debo Samuel? Cooper Cup is interesting. He's fourth on this list, yet he just won the triple counter receiving. However, he is 29 years old, which is something that boggles my mind every time. But I'm pretty sure he came into the NFL as a 24-year-old rookie. So that makes a little more sense. I wouldn't put him over Hill. I wouldn't put him over Adams. But current DeAndre Hopkins at three. What is current DeAndre Hopkins? He's still a really, really good elite receiver. But is he better than Devontae Adams? I don't know. I don't know. Is he better than Hill? I'd probably say no. So where do Samuel and Metcalf get paid? I think that's it, it's a fascinating contract because I do believe both could be on new teams by the end of the year, if not the trade deadline. I said this, I want to say, either yesterday or Monday. I think Metcalf is not going to be a Seattle Seahawk by next year. I think he will get traded at the deadline. I think a team is going to make a move for DK Metcalf to do something because Metcalf is going to find out really quick, and, it's, and he may know now, I think it's pretty obvious. Seattle's one of the worst organizations in football right now with a terrible quarterback situation and a head coach who wants to run the ball like he's in the 1970s and 60s and only throw when he has to, and a GM who can't draft, whose first round is essentially a wasted pick year after year after year. So he may realize and demand a trade 
And we could see something where, you know, I think a lot of us Bills fans now remember too, Stephon Diggs was traded here in the offseason. But during the trade deadline period, there was potential Stephon Diggs would get traded at the deadline. I think Metcalf could be a receiver that is in that situation. But I think Metcalf could make it a much more dire situation, realizing that to get a new deal, he needs to get on a new team because his quarterback situation is the worst in football. And it simply is. Name me a team, their their quarterback situation is significantly better than the Seattle Seahawks. Cleveland. Cleveland would probably be the perfect example of a team that, well, you can maybe make an argument. Deshaun Watson is likely going to get suspended for eight games. Effectively, what that is, is your starting quarterback came to the season hurt, and he'll be ready by mid midway through the season. There is no reinforcements coming for the Seattle Seahawks. Unless Jimmy Garoppolo is caught and he wants to go play in San Francisco's division rival, which he certainly may. He definitely may want to, because he could he probably would start there. If he's cut before the end of training camp, he'll probably start by week two. Almost definitely starting by week two. So he may wind up there. And I still think it's the worst quarterback situation. Garoppolo doesn't fit a wide receiver like DK Metcalf at all. That is not going to be an upgrade at any point for Metcalf. Samuel, though, is a little different. I think Samuel will re-sign with San Francisco, mainly because San Francisco won't need Samuel to be that guy anymore. I've made mention about this a few times. About Trey Lance and about how I believe he is going to pop this year, that he is going to be that second-year jump quarterback. Do I think he's going to have the Mahomes 50 touchdowns MVP uh, no, probably not. I think that would be legitimately stunning if that happened twice in like a five-year period. But I think he's going to be awesome, and he's going to be an upgrade for San Francisco. And if he does that, with the wheels and the build that Trey Lance has, he can take up a lot of the running game that Samuel seemed to have to take up. Lance himself is 6'4", 230. It's not a problem to have him run. If anything, that's definitely a positive. And it's something that I do imagine Kyle Shanahan will use. We've heard from John Lynch, I want to say in the last two days, talking about they believe something is imminent with Debo Samuel. That they do believe something is going to happen soon. We've also heard reports that you know nothing is imminent yet. They were, you know, they're close, but they're not that close. I think San Francisco is going to get the deal done with Debo Samuel. And for me, where I do think he winds up, I think he probably winds up as the fourth highest paid receiver. I do think he'll get a deal higher than Cooper Cup. He'll probably get paid around twenty-seven million exactly, where DeAndre Hopkins gets paid twenty-seven point two five million a year. It gets him above Cooper Cup. But it's not anything where, you know, he's in the Hill Adams territory, who, to be fair, have just had more years of production. Last year was Samuel's truly first great season in the NFL, where he became a household name. Metcalf may have a stronger argument. I just don't think Metcalf gets paid in this offseason. I think he'll hold out or hold in for most of camp, play to start the year before demanding a trade out. Before he's like, I, I don't even want to deal with this team. Because it doesn't matter, it'll be my one singular contract, and I won't get anything out of it. I won't have any sort of lasting legacy except a few years, 
And to be fair, if you're Metcalf as well, it's a legacy you may not want to have because your legacy could all of a sudden become, well, he was only good when he had a good quarterback. He wasn't actually that good of a receiver. That's a, that's a painful legacy to have then if you're him, realizing that ultimately it was a coach who likely will be fired this year, a GM that will likely be fired this year, that drove away your Hall of Fame quarterback who you could have spent your entire prime with if not career with, based on how long quarterbacks are playing now in the NFL, and instead two guys that are likely gone at the same time you are if you're traded, they're the reason that that's your legacy now. That's a painful legacy to have. Teams I think they could be in on DK Metcalf, I'm not sure. Again, I said trade deadline. And to be fair, who do we know right now that really desperately needs a receiver? Kansas City, maybe, now that they've traded away Tyreek Hill. But do they, do they have the assets to go get them? Probably. It'll take a little bit more than the Stephon Diggs deal, and, and they may convince themselves that this is the one piece away for us to continue to compete for years down the line. And I do think there will be a point in the season where they realize we should have just you know buckled up, paid you know however much money it was to keep Tyreek Hill, and kept the ball rolling. Cleveland would have been a team I would have been on, in on this, but you know, they don't have any resources at all. The Jets were in on Tyreek Hill all the way to the end, even to the point where, Ty- where Tyreek Hill, on, uh, either on his podcast or on first take, mentioned how you know Zach Wilson's a dog, but he wanted to play with the most accurate quarterback in football, in, in Tua Tungavailoa. So the Jets, we know, were in the market, and maybe Garrett Wilson taking him in the first round took them out of it. Maybe not. Maybe they're like, ah, we really don't want to use Corey Davis anymore. And they package him a part of that deal. Could absolutely be. It, the Jets could be in on that. The Patriots. Oh, boy, the Patriots. I've, I've said it a number of times on this station. I think they're a very bad team. I do not think they're good at all. I think there's a ceiling with Mac Jones. And I think there's now a ceiling with their head coach. Because, to be fair, I think Mac or I think Bill Belichick kind of fits this this. You know, portrait I've painted for some of these older head coaches who are more defensive minded, where they seemingly don't really care that the NFL is moving ahead of them. They're just like, nope, it's always going to be the game I grew up with, and there's no changing that. I think Bill Belichick maybe a little bit fits that. He's always had a number with rookie quarterbacks, but some of these mobile guys really do give him fits. So maybe the Patriots are in on that to kind of salvage their season, realize that it's falling apart and that they need to make a move. That maybe their you know their their quarterback that they got who was so pro ready, ooh he needs people to help him, and to be fair it would fit their offense. In terms of where people are slotted, Devontae Parker now all of a sudden isn't the one. He can slide in as a number two and a very very good number two with that, and Metcalf can continue to be the one and a big play guy for them. I think Mac Jones throws a pretty deep ball. I think that's definitely the best part of his game. His that deep ball is pretty and it can work, but they have no one to stretch the field. So maybe the Patriots do that when their season starts to fall apart. I don't know. I think that one could be definitely interesting of where Metcalf winds up, because I do not think it's with Seattle. I think that ship is very, very close to sailing. Because, you know, who do they have there now? Russell Wilson is gone. As much as I'm not going to lie this offseason, I was always a Russell Wilson fan. I now, like, I officially do not want to have a beer with him. Like, he's strange, and he makes me uncomfortable with some of the stuff he says and does, and I'm just like, ooh, I don't think we'd be friends. I don't know about this one. But that guy was making DK Metcalf's career very easy. He was making it a lot easier than it will be this year. 
That's for darn sure. So Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, what goes on there? What happens? It's going to be interesting to find out. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up the nightcap, talk about some other camp stories that came out earlier today, including the Jets moving their 2020 first-round pick, Mekhi Becton, to right tackle and what that means for them, and some other stories going along in camp. We'll do that when we come back here on the nightcap on WGR. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back into the Nightcap here on WGR. Quick segment to wrap up the hour here. Wrap up this Wednesday night. Game two of the Subway Series between the New York Mets and the New York Yankees is going on as we speak. Top of the third. Mets up one nothing. Do want to talk a little bit about that as we finish up the show here. Just because, you know, the Yankees, they're such an interesting team this year. They have the best record in baseball. 66 wins. But there is a part of me that like just thinks that they're going to be like almost like the President's Trophy winner in hockey. That they'll have the best record in baseball, but ultimately they won't win the World Series. They may not even make the World Series. I, you know, and it's not, you know, I'm not being a Yankees basher or anything like that. I, I think they're actually a very, very fun team to watch. I think Judge has been exceptional this year. There is just that feeling, though, about them that, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe how I feel about the Yankees other than I don't trust it. That they are, or that they did start the year so well. And that everything seemed to go perfectly for them. But even now, as you kind of see, like, you know, Houston continues to give them issues. Boston was an eh series for them earlier in the month. And now with the Mets, they lost last night 6-3. to They may lose tonight. That's nothing, you know, it's nothing terrible that, well, they've lost two straight games. The world's falling apart. No, I'm not saying that. But I don't know. There's a part of me that's just, maybe it's because they are playing the Mets. And with the Mets, I've constantly thought, wow, they're doing this. And maybe two of their best players to start the year were hurt. And that being Max Scherzer and, of course, Jacob DeGrom. And now we're hearing DeGrom is on his way back. Scherzer's been back. So a part of me almost thinks like there's unfulfilled potential with the Mets, where with the Yankees, it's not that at all. It just kind of feels like, well, yeah, after years of building up, I, you know, a year would go correctly. Giancarlo Stanton is on, you know, the IL, so I get, you know, they're not like wholly healthy to go into the series. But the Yankees, it should, they're a weird team to keep up with right now, and I and I have tried to keep up with both them and the Yankees, and just kind of, or them and the Mets, to kind of like see, just you know, I do want to see the Subway Series. Because I don't root for either team, and I think it'd be chaos, and it'd be a lot of fun. 
But if I had to pick a team right now, even though the Yankees have a better record, I think in a seven-game series, I would take the Mets, and these last two games are showing why. That's going to do it here on the Nightcap. Thank you for listening. I'll be back here with Show on the Bulldogs starting at 3 tomorrow. Thank you for listening. This has been the Nightcap here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.